0: and links to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. And now, here's today's episode. Let's get started. My
1: name is Adam Homie. I am your host and I am honored once again by your wise decision to tune in and invest in yourself today. Here at the Business Creators Radio Show, we take you into the field To those places where you have those mastermind moments and aha meetings or mastermind meetings and aha moments that can change your life or at least move you closer to serving from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion. So you may occasionally hear a little bit of ambient noise in the background. Right now, I'm coming to you from the balcony of my apartment here in Las Vegas, known to some, but not today, as the hottest city in America. So what we're going to cover today is a topic that is very, very popular to our listeners. This is something that we run every so often, and we always get a lot of great comments and feedback on it. It's about content marketing, and what we're going to deliver you today is a stripped-down guide to content marketing, because it seems so hard sometimes. So many small businesses, in fact, are stymied by where to start when it comes to content marketing. Some don't even understand what it really is and how it can help them grow. So between SEO, SEM, pillar content, brand storytelling, blogging, and the time to do it all, notice I didn't throw in podcasting as one of those because podcasting is, yes, the road, the successful content marketing that drives traffic and helps the business grow can feel like a treacherous uphill journey. So To take us on this journey and simplify it for us, we're stripping it down. We have John Egan. He's a content creator and marketing strategist who believes the world needs more high-quality writing. As the founder of Jawhawk Media, he's been a content marketing entrepreneur since 2017. Prior to Jawhawk, He began his writing career in newspaper journalism, rising through several editorial positions before entering the content marketing business in 2010 as editor-in-chief at Bankrate Insurance. His clients include Forbes Advisor, Experian, Bankrate, and The Balance. So this is somebody who's been around, whether you've heard his name or not. Uh, He's also been involved with companies like Lawn Starter, LendingTree, and more. John Egan, come on in. The weather's fine. I am right here. Yep. And you hear him uh, dialing in from a remote location. We've had people uh, dial in from the rainforest in Colombia, where you could hear the raindrops beating on the tent. We had somebody at an airport in Tel Aviv. You could hear the IDF jets flying over as he was sharing with us. So... Somebody dialing in from their vehicle their remote location is actually pretty tame for us. As I said, we take you into the field to where you have those experiences. So, John, before we dive into this whole content marketing thing, and I'm really curious about your take on it, let's uh, start. I read off your official bio. It's so impressive. I'm not sure I'm worthy to be here in your presence, and this is my show. Uh, So beyond (laughs) that, what I want to do is have you tell us in your own words something about your journey that – has helped bring you to where you are today, serving business creators from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion.
2: Well, I think a lot of what I'm able to bring to the table as a content marketer is my journalism background. I was a newspaper reporter and editor for more years than I care to remember, but it gave me a good grounding in storytelling, in writing, in uh, accuracy in interviewing people. And those are all skills that content marketers can take advantage of.
1: Right, 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 right. So, first of all, um, you gave us a number of points you'd like us to cover in the, uh, you'd like us to cover in when we were chatting in the green room. But let's have you, first of all, give your definition of that much thrown around term content marketing.
2: Well, it sounds complicated, but it's really not. And everybody is subjected to content marketing on a daily basis. So, what it is, is when brands are trying to communicate to their audience, their potential customers, anybody who they want to try to influence. And that can be blog posts, podcasts, videos, ebooks, all sorts of content. And brands do that to try to build their authority, get new customers entertain, enlighten and inform. That those are the three main things that content marketers should be thinking about when they're working on behalf of a brand.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So one how do we simplify this because when some people hear the whole content marketing they think oh this is going to be a lot of work.
2: Well, it's not easy. Um, If it were easy, then everybody would be doing a really good job at it. You have to commit resources, time, energy, and talent to doing good content marketing. So it's, it's not complicated. It's just you have to commit yourself to it and commit yourself to it on a regular basis, not just dabble in it. But a brand should be committed to it and put the resources behind it that they have some companies don't have the resources, but that doesn't mean they don't financial resources, but that doesn't mean they don't, they don't have the time, the talent, the energy in order to be able to make all that happen.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So um, budgets are also an issue. You know, we, when I think of content marketing, I also think of all sorts of videos and work to get a post out Uh, boosting, raising authority, raising awareness. And uh, particularly when money is an issue, and it's an issue for a lot of people, uh, it's also an issue to be motivated to do it.
2: Well, it certainly helps when you have a nice, fat budget. And I've been in situations where I've had a generous budget for content marketing, and I worked at a startup where I had no budget, and we were still able to make it work again, it was commitment to doing it, doing things that I wasn't comfortable doing previously. I had to learn how to do infographics. I learned, had to learn how to crunch data in spreadsheets, which I was allergic to spreadsheets as a writer. <laughs> because yeah. Math. I mean, you know, it's, it's just not something that is natural for me, but you have to get over those fears. You have to conquer what is standing in your way in order to be able to get it done. Otherwise it's just not going to happen. If you don't have budget, don't despair because it can still, you can still create good content. It's just that you may have to work a little harder to do it and may have to dig deep in your well, and you may have to be scrappy about it, but it still can happen.
1: Right, 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 right. So part of Content marketing is awareness marketing, of course. So you mentioned you have some ways that you use content to create the authority and trust with your current and future customers that helps to raise that awareness, knowing that uh, particularly when it comes to some of your high-ticket clients, they may not raise their hand immediately.
2: So a good example of what you're talking about is when I worked at a startup that was a self-storage marketplace where people could go – and look for self-storage space. We were kind of the new kid in town, and a lot of people in the industry were a little bit suspicious of of us, at least some of the people in the industry. And so we had to prove ourselves. So one of the things we did was we created a blog that covered the industry of self-storage in a newsy way. And so we were able to plant our flag in the ground as an authority on self-storage, slowly but surely, with that blog that it gave us authority because we were reporting information that people wanted, that brokers were wanting, that self-storage professionals were wanting, that other people involved in the industry were looking for, and it gives you, you know, the more you put out high quality content like that, the more credibility you get, you can gain.
1: Okay. All right. So um, so, what do we need to know to make this all work for us? Uh, now let's think about strategy and how you merge this with your, your company's goals. Uh, a challenge I see to this is, particularly companies that will have multiple people on deck with the content marketing strategy and creating alignment even to begin with?
2: Well, everybody has to come together to agree, this is what our goal is with our content marketing. There have been companies I've worked at where lead generation was not really a big concern in terms of putting out good content. It was Building that brand authority, uh, getting eyeballs on the content, being uh, higher ranking in Google searches, things like that that weren't necessarily directly tied to getting new customers and adding to that sales funnel. So you have to have a sense of what do we want to get out of this? What are the expectations? And not just put start putting out content without giving thought to what is the end goal? Where do we want to be in terms of how this content reflects on our, or our organization?
1: All right. So, uh, so uh, I guess the next thing is you know tell us a bit about tell us a bit about you know you, I know you have a book uh, that's that's out uh, called the stripped down guide to content marketing success secrets for beginners. What drove you to create this? And what are some of the results you've seen from having done so?
2: The reason I wrote the book is because there wasn't a book like this when I started in content marketing in in 2010. And I felt that there was a need out there for people who were brand new to content marketing, who were trying to get their feet in content marketing, maybe startup entrepreneurs who know that they need to put content out there, but don't know what do necessarily this gives them a full view of what you need to do what content marketing is how you can create content whether it's blog posts, videos tools that you can use to help along along the way in terms of producing content but it, i, I kind of wanted to be a cheerleader for content marketers out there who maybe are struggling or maybe are just like, what the heck do I, we need to do? And give guidance in terms of getting people on the right path and knowing that, again, if you don't have this robust budget to spend on content marketing, then you could still make it a success. You don't have to have a boatload of money in order to make this work.
1: Yeah, where do you begin? I mean, how do you even know where to begin? Uh, for everybody that tells you, Uh, One option, there's somebody else to tell you there's uh, that's completely incorrect and there's another place to start.
2: Well, there's no right or wrong in content marketing. I think one of the important things to think about is where is your audience? Are they on TikTok? Are they on YouTube? Are they on Facebook? Are they on LinkedIn? You don't want to produce content and put it on a platform that your audience isn't going to go to. Uh, If you're a B2B company, maybe TikTok's not the right place. Maybe it is. You just need to figure out who your audience is and where they're getting their information from, what their preferred platforms are. But you also have to give them the right kind of content. Are they more likely to consume videos? Are they more likely to consume blog posts? Are they more likely to want podcasts? Uh, there you know, and usually several of those can work together, and you don't have to just focus on one. But I would say the cornerstone is blog posts because those continue year after year to be one of the ways that serve as an entry point for people to get to know your, your organization.
1: Yeah, well, um, but I but they say that blogging is dead just like email marketing is dead, and I've been here for about 17 deaths of email marketing. Uh, and one of the things that I discovered, and I've had some, you know, I have some thoughts about this, which I'll share in just a moment. Uh, what are, you know, what are some of, in your experience, uh, things about blogging that makes it either more or less successful depending on what people do or don't do? This is actually one of the very specific reasons I wanted to speak with you as this is one of those unicorns that people are chasing. Is how, you know, is it worth it to Write blog posts? How do I get people to read them? And what do I need to include in them so that they're more likely to do something more than just read my blog posts?
2: Well, I don't know if the folks out there remember this, but Mark Twain once said, Reports of my death are greatly exaggerated or or something very close to that. Yeah. The same holds true for blogging. Blogging's not dead, it's not going anywhere. Now, there are platforms that could go away. For instance, TikTok um, has a tenuous future because it's owned by a Chinese company and there's scuttlebutt that it could be banned in the United States at some point. That's an issue. But there's always going to be platforms for people to put up blog posts. And I think in creating blog posts, you need to figure out what your audience and your your potential customers so your you know maybe your current and potential clients what what they're looking for what kinds of information are they needing to carry on with uh you know if it's a consumer answering their questions about um how to fix a washing machine if if you are an appliance company or if you're in the b2b market how can i Boost sales in the fourth quarter of the year, and there, there are all sorts of things that you can help people figure out by crafting well-planned out, well-written, well thought-out blog posts. Right? But you can't just slap something together and put it on the internet and say, oh, "Okay, well, we've got blogs, we've got blog posts." Um, you know, check mark. Um, you know, we've done that. Now you really have to put a lot of thought into it and figure out again. What is your audience? What, what, what kinds of questions are they asking? And you know, there, there are plenty of analytics tools like Google where you can find out what people in your industry are asking about. There, and there's plenty of other tools that, that are available out there that can help you do all that kind of SEO keyword research that's important for a variety of types of content, including blog posts.
1: Yeah, so uh, what about you know getting your content curated? Uh, one of the reasons why people that I know will blog is because they want their content to be picked up by some other publication and shared as a featured resource. So in your experience, what are curators looking for? As a curator myself, I uh, know some things, but I want to hear you first.
2: Well... They're looking for authoritative dances, viewpoints, information about whatever that topic may be. So let's say somebody's curating content about content marketing. Well, yeah. I'm going to look, first of all, look for people who I know are authorities in the industry. Have they posted something recently that would be relevant in a roundup of curated content that I'm doing about content marketing? You also have to take into consideration, you know, what the quality of the content, you know, so this person may be an authority in content marketing, but maybe the piece of content that you're looking at isn't all that great. And I, I don't know about you, but I don't want to pass along content that I feel like a subpar to my audience because that reflects poorly on me. So. They're, they're, people who are curating content are looking for high quality content that resonates with the people they're trying to reach. Uh, it's as simple as that. And you just can't stick a whole bunch of, you know, like, oh, well, here's five pieces of content and, you know, put it together in a few minutes and put it out there and say, done. Uh, you know, I've, I've curated a lot of content myself and it takes a lot of investigation and figuring out, okay is this source of information trustworthy? Is, it, is this somebody I'm familiar with who's written about this topic before? There are all sorts of things that go into consideration when you're looking at curating content. And curating content can be very valuable because if you do it well, then the people who, whose content you've curated will then share that content. And then that gives you more exposure to your content and it broadens your audience
1: yeah which is what goes for curators i recommend finding something that can that they can tag uh where the person they're tagging in other words the author of it is actually fairly active and likely to retweet that uh, or share that or highlight that or even at least respond to it and part of the Impetus behind that I found is when I do curation myself, I'm looking for blog posts that have human authors. So if I see something that says if I see something that says staff writer or editorial staff or gives the name of the company as the author, I've already lost interest because it's either, in my view, it's it's either spun content or something that is if I read beyond the first paragraph or two, it's probably just going to be blatantly promotional. Uh, whereas, well, and also and, it's going to be, and also and it's be difficult to relate with because people tend to relate to people. Even if you, even exactly. if you like, if you own a business, even if you have somebody ghostwriting your content for them, uh, I highly recommend that you have them write it in your name and you develop their ability to voice you to such a way where you're not in the middle of it.
2: I have ghostwritten content for clients and the smart ones which i think every single one i've done this for has has followed this strategy is they put the name of somebody with their organization on the content so that as you're as you're saying it's it, there's a real person behind it now did that person actually write the content don't know but i'm i'm in the same camp that you are when i see something that's like by editorial staff or by staff writer and it doesn't have a person's name I I don't always continue to even bother to find out whether it's too promotional or not because I want to identify with something that somebody has written and I don't want it to feel like you know somebody's hiding behind the content it just doesn't make any sense I always recommend that if anybody is posting on their their brand's website that every piece of content have an author name and not just company name or staff writer or editorial staff it just sounds too generic
1: yeah it it sounds too generic it's impersonal and i found yes. that reading that type of content it really feels, it really feels like it was it was content written by committee and you know and, and you and know what yeah and you know and you know what often happens when you have things developed by committee. It's watered down, in my opinion. It's uh, it's more, it's designed more to conform to expectations, maybe even outside that company's brand Then, and it really tells me nothing other than, oh, I'll just read these first two paragraphs full of buzzwords. Then we get to the part where it's a blatant pitch.
2: Right. And certainly, there are blog posts, many blog posts that have calls to action and they are should. sprinkled with company information. They should. There's no it reason doesn't they should be, to be a, Yeah, but it doesn't have to be a blatant hit you over the head with, "Hey, we're this brand and and listen to us." Um, you need you need to be giving people valuable information. They don't want a sales pitch. They want to be smarter. They want to be able to take that information and do something with it, whether it's a consumer who's like, "Oh, this blog post helped me, it's going to help me save money on my insurance. Or if you're a business person, it's, oh, I didn't hadn't thought of that before. This might help me trim my costs in, in, inside my company. But, um, you know, if you're just doing a sales pitch, then you should relegate that to advertising and marketing and not content marketing. And there is a difference between content marketing and pure marketing. marketing is much more oriented toward trumpeting the horn of the brand, whereas content marketing is more about helping your customers, your clients, your your potential customers and clients, your constituents, whoever it may be, with information that they find valuable. And if, if you do that, if you repeatedly do that, they'll come back for more. But If you are sound too salesy, people get it and they're not gonna they're not gonna want to come back for more. And you've wasted all this time, energy, and money on content that isn't isn't yielding the results that you want or need.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's that's a piece of it too. And then in terms of the author of the content or the or the owner of the content, uh, you know, it's my belief that and this is the reason that I blog myself is I would just love to find out one day that somebody shared my content used my content or curated my content. And then at least had the decency that, you know, give me a little algorithmic love in the form of a social media tag. That would mean to me that I accomplished at least in microcosm, a life goal, but I have seen content owners actually freak out over their stuff being used. So, uh, I'll give you this one example. Uh, this is uh, with uh, some curation work I do. It was, uh, you know, we curated uh, a, a blog post from somebody who was also known in that industry. And then we get this, this nasty gram for them that, uh, first of all, they, they said that we shouldn't have been looking at that content because it was on their old WordPress installation rather than the new one. And then they added something else to that phrase that basically insinuated that somehow, even though we had nothing to do with their business, we were the ones who failed to update their, their content on their new blog. Like somehow their technology or their webmaster not doing the whole job was our fault. And then they go on with all this stuff about, uh, about, uh, I don't, I don't know. It's like, I actually wrote an internal reply to it just to mock it because I thought it was so ridiculous. And then, um, and then, uh, and then they then they concluded with uh, in the fu- in the future if I want you to use my stuff I'll write something for you and uh, it's like I I forward this over to the editor uh, of uh, uh, you know the person who is actually above me in their in their uh, chain of command and basically the decision came down real quickly is that person need not bother because we're not going to use their content and uh, that reputation spreads fast
2: and that's the that's the issue is if. First of all, I don't understand why anybody would feel that way that to me, that's clueless, because the more your content is shared, the better it reflects on you, you get more juice from Google and other search engines. I mean, there's just so many benefits to that. And to be angry that somebody is curating your content. It, it, it's just ludicrous. I you know, I, 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 I don't know a better way of putting it. It's just, makes no sense in, in the world of content marketing to be that um, obstinate and be that angry about somebody you know using your content. Now if you used it word for word the entire thing without crediting, that's something else. But when you that, that was
1: something different. I mean this was a case yeah. where the person was not only fully credited, we gave them publicity.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean, I, I just don't understand the reasoning behind that. It, it makes no sense.
1: Right, 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 right. So uh, another, another thing that we've been hearing about since the beginning of time, and I've been in this industry about five years longer than you, is, that, uh, is this whole thing of, well, what about SEO? Uh, and I tend to move beyond search engine optimization and towards search engine marketing. Uh, all that being all that being said is what are some of the tactics? And this may be a good place to uh, to sort of cap what we're doing here because I think this is so important. Is I mean, people want to see a payoff. One payoff is your stuff gets curated and shared, and you get free publicity. Another is is that both chaotic human eyes and algorithmic search engine eyes find your content more and more so for the goal of attracting more search engine juice and getting more search engine optimization marketing results what are some uh you know what are some of the things that we need to keep in mind Uh, whether it's blogs whether it's social media posts which you know can get search engine attention uh what should we keep in mind in the structure and content of these things to facilitate that
2: well, you do need to keep in mind a primary keyword that you're aiming for. And yeah. a lot of my clients will, will give me a primary keyword or key phrase that needs to be included in the content. But the mistake that some people make, and I hope people get the memo that this is a huge mistake, is stuffing their content with keywords. Um, Google frowns upon that in a huge way. And you'll get penalized if you do too much of that. And their algorithms can detect that very easily and they will punish you and your content. If it's obvious that you're simply trying to play the keyword game, what you need to do is write for real people who are looking for information and then Blend the keywords in there, but do it as naturally as possible so that it's not forced, because you can tell when somebody's trying to shoehorn in keywords and key phrases, because it sometimes doesn't sound natural. Um, yeah, it, it, you know, any, it, And then you don't want to read it, because it's too, it's too stuffy, it's too, um, it's too stilted. And you, you know it's like real humans don't write this way. It sounds like an AI platform wrote this in a bad way, Uh, you know, and I just think people need to realize keywords are critically important because you want your content to rank highly. If it's not on the first or maybe second page of Google search results, then a lot of people aren't going to find it. Most people don't go past the first page of search results. And so you need to keep those keywords in mind but there you can binge on keywords and that will do you more harm, much more harm than any. I don't know that any good could ever come out of it. Yeah. Yeah. And,
1: and again, I can tell as well. I, I'm, I was uh, X number of years old when the whole thing of spun content came out. Oh yeah. And I I knew, I knew people were doing this and they're putting up this absolute garbage for blog posts. I'm thinking, what?
2: I, well, that's I, not I, going to get you anywhere, right? It, it'll put you in Google jail, but nobody wants to be there. No,
1: no, I don't. Right, right. So, so basically, you know what I'm what I'm hearing is, I mean, you're going to have to use a certain percentage, I believe, or are we done with the part where you're looking for a certain keyword density? I mean, is there, is that even something we consider these days? Does it even matter?
2: I mean, there, there are clients of mine who do take that into consideration. They'll, they'll send me what's known as a content brief and they'll have the keyword they're looking to have included. And then they will, there's, there's semantically related keywords that they want you to try to weave in, but sometimes it's just not possible because people don't always neatly type in uh, phrases and, and words when they're doing a search. There might be words missing uh, in, in what somebody's typing into a Google search, but then so many people do it that that becomes a key phrase, but it doesn't sound natural to put it in there. So sometimes it can get a little dicey if somebody's asking you to do that uh, in a content brief. You know, if it, one of my clients is saying, Hey, you know, we need to include this and this and this, and there, just sometimes it does, it doesn't work, but you do the best you can to do it naturally. Now there, there are some organizations that use tools that specifically measure where the keywords in are in a piece of content, and whether it's high enough up in the content and whether it's mentioned enough and it gets down to that nitty gritty. Some people don't use those tools at all and they rely on their SEO, inside SEO experts but also and their editors and the people who are writing the content or creating the content to figure out what what works well so it's not necessarily as analytical and scientific but it, you do need to keep the SEO keywords and key phrases in mind. You know, if you can't just write something and think, oh, everybody's going to find this. If if you don't include at least one keyword, you know, n- chances are nobody's going to find it, especially if you're up against bigger brands, bigger organizations that just have tons of content out there and they have an army of people you are doing SEO and content creation every single day.
1: Yeah, right. I right. I I, I, get, I get what you mean. So what I'm what I'm getting overall is that uh, part of an effective content marketing strategy also involves understanding how to play the long game.
2: Yeah, it's not. It, it, you know, it they say it's uh, not a marathon. It's it's a or not a sprint. It's a marathon. Yeah. I mean. That's kind of how you have to look at it. You can't necessarily expect overnight results from a piece of content that you put out there. It may take some time for the ecosystem to absorb that content and for it to be found. And Google has to crawl your, your website and detect that there's new content. And there's, you know, there's all this magic that goes on. It's like the Wizard of Oz. You know, people don't necessarily understand everything that goes on behind the scenes at Google. But we do know that Google holds the keys to the kingdom when it comes to getting your content discovered. So, yeah, you do have to – it is the long game. It's not the short game. And you and you know you have to be in it to win it for the long haul and not just expect, oh, we'll put out these two blog posts and magic will happen. It just doesn't work that way. There are occasions when a blog post will just hit it out of the park. Uh, for one reason or another. Maybe you have quoted a lot of folks in a piece of content, and they've all shared it. And so it gets this massive amount of juice, and it gets backlinks, and it gets uh, attention on social media. But that is the exception, not the rule.
1: Yeah. Right, right. So... We're pretty much at the top here, and uh, what I want to do is I want to make sure that uh, all of our listeners have the opportunity uh, to get the stripped-down guide to content marketing. And where you find it is you go to John's website, which is at johnegan.net, so I'll spell that for you, J-O-H-N-E-G-A-N.net, and within that page, you're going to find – Even on the homepage, you're going to find about three or four different places where you'll be able to click and find John's book. It's called The Strip-Down Guide to Content Marketing Success Secrets for Beginners. And in this book, John shares the basics of creating and sharing relevant, high-quality online content that's designed to attract, educate, enlighten, and retain current and potential members of your audience. And as he said earlier, it's the book he wished he had had when he embarked on his content marketing journey so rather than try and figure out the road for yourself follow the path that's already been blazed for you and pick up this book at JohnEgan.net. and with that john thank you so much for being with us today it has been an honor and believe me in education
2: well thank you i appreciate the opportunity absolutely
0: we trust you enjoyed today's episode of the business creators radio show